0: Greetings, and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire Podcast. My guest on this episode is Philadelphia trainer Stephen Breadman-Edwards, uh, Stephen's been very outspoken and critical of the sport on the issue of PED use. Uh, we had a very lengthy discussion, interesting discussion on that topic. Um, we also got into what's going on in the Philly boxing scene, including with his uh, star fighter Julian Williams, and what's next for him. Uh, we also got into the origin of uh, Stephen's nickname, Breadman, which I'd always wondered about. So, uh, really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you do too. So I'd like to welcome uh, to the Boxing Esquire podcast, Mr. Stephen Bredman Edwards, one of the leading young trainers in the sport. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Stephen.
1: Oh, uh, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so for people who may not be familiar with you and um, your history, um, tell us how uh, how you got involved in the sport of boxing.
1: Well, I come from like a family. You know, like uh, like in the, you know, 40s and 50s, boxing was like a real big deal. So my grandfather was a huge boxing fan. So I kind of like grew up, um, you know, around the sport, things like that. And uh, I was always pretty athletic. So, um, but I didn't like, you know, I used to play around outside with the kids with the gloves and stuff. And uh, I played high school basketball when I hurt my knee, you know, kind of like my uh, spirit dampened a little bit as far as being able to pursue a basketball career. So I, um, you know, I started boxing, you know, um, and I went to college, uh, I knew I wasn't going to be like a pro or whatever, but I just loved the sports. So I would just go around and box a lot of pros and do little, um, little smoker shows and just little things like that, just cause I just was athletic and I just, you know, I felt the dog was young and I still wanted to do some things with my, um, athletic career. And, um, you know, I went to college, like I said, started working and everything. And then um, maybe about 10 years ago, I kind of got back into it. And then uh young man named uh, Julian Williams, you know, asked me to start working with him and uh, kind of just took off from there. Then then, you know, I started working and trying to develop a couple, couple of young fighters. And, um, you know, here I am today.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, I've always wondered. Uh, where the nickname Breadman came from. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> please
0: enlighten the listeners. It's, uh, <laughs> I
1: played I play basketball, right? And Have you ever heard of a movie called Cornbread Earl and Me?
0: Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember was it was okay. Jamal, Jamal Wilkes was in that, you right?
1: It. You got it. You yeah, got okay. It. So, okay. Uh, I was playing basketball and uh, first practice of the year. You know, when I was in ninth grade, I was like 5'5". Five, five. So, hmm. I came back my sophomore year and I I was like six one I wound up getting up to six three later but in one summer I grew freaking eight inches mm. it was it was crazy so um in that first practice I probably hit maybe like I know it's gonna sound like an exaggeration it was a true story I probably hit maybe like 13 three pointers mm. and everybody was like giving out nicknames and um, they start calling me cornbread and it just stuck and it stuck with me all through you know, for, for actually for the rest of my life. And as, but as I got older, I was, um, kind of known for, um, gambling. And then, uh, I would hit like bets on games and things like that. I don't know if you gamble, but like three and four was and stuff like that. So, um, they just cut the corn off and just start calling me bread. And it just kind of just stuck.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. It's an awesome story. Um, so yeah, what
1: what fighters are you currently working with these days? Uh, right now, uh, Julian Williams and uh, there's a kid named Romeo Cruz. He's undefeated, three and zero. Fights at one hundred and twenty two pounds. Um, you know, I've had a couple of offers with a couple of other guys. I don't want to say right now because it's um, you know still preliminary. But I try to keep things kind of kind of small with my stable, so I could kind of um, develop guys and. Uh, you know, give them that undivided attention. You know, if you if you got more than three or four guys, you, it's it's really hard to train that many guys in one day. You know, if everybody's getting an hour and a half, two hours of your time. So um, you know, I try to keep my, my stable place there
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so let's let's talk about uh Julian Williams, J Rock. Um he's uh you started working with him, you said about ten years ago or so?
1: Uh, 2010. 2000. I know I know him since 2007, but um, um, we start officially working together since in 2010.
0: Okay, okay. He's uh, I mean, he's in great position right now. I think he's he's number one in the IBF um, and number one in the BC. Now is he like the official
1: mandatory in in, in either of those uh, organizations? Um, uh, you know how the boxing politics are. <laughs> I know he's number one. Um, as far as him being official mandatory. Um, I don't know. But uh we're supposed to be getting the title shot sometime in the spring, so we'll see.
0: Okay, okay. I mean any any clue uh as to as to which guy? 'Cause obviously the IBF you've got uh Jared Hurd, and uh BC is uh Jamel Charlo.
1: Uh it sounds like it's it's gonna be Jared Hurd, but as boxing, Kurt, you know, our <laughs> boxing is, you know, you never get excited, never get, you know, whatever you hear, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Right. But right now, it um, sounds like it's going to be, um, Jared hurt. Oh, that's great.
0: That'd be an absolutely tremendous fight. I mean, uh, 154 pounds is, is, is one of the most uh, exciting divisions. Uh, a lot of great fighters, a lot of great fights that can be made, and most of them, uh, within the PBC as well, so uh, so uh, definitely looking forward to that one. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania myself. I I, I grew up in Erie, but uh, I was always a huge fan of uh, of Philadelphia fighters. Uh, first fighter I ever followed and rooted for was uh, Smoker Joe Frazier. Remember that? That's the first fight I ever remember seeing. I was like four years old. He defended the title against uh, Terry Daniels. He's amazing. I was a huge Frank the Animal Fletcher fan. Uh, you know, most of mm-hmm. the great fighters from, P- from PA in the last 50 years come out of Frank, Philly.
1: Frank Fletcher used to date one of my mom's uh, sisters. Get out of here. <laughs> yep. I was yep. actually I at- used to pull around my grandma's house with in a limousine with no shirt on, <laughs> freaking cowboy boots, and get out the car and like, shadow box with me and stuff.
0: Get out of here. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I actually just met Frank's uh, mom, at uh, Lucille at at, at the um, the PA uh, Boxing Hall of Fame uh, induction this year. So that was that was kind of a thrill okay. for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you had you know Frazier, Gypsy Joe Harris, Benny Briscoe, uh, Matthew Saad Muhammad, Jeff Chandler, Meldrick Taylor, Bernard Hopkins. Who are the fighters you you admire the most growing up?
1: Um, I mean, obviously you're going to admire Philadelphia fighters. So, um, you know, I was a big Michael Spinks fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, li- I like Melvin Taylor. Um, you know, I liked uh, I like fighters. You know, in the, in a broader, you know, not just Philadelphia. Also, um, uh, Ray Leonard was my absolute favorite fighter growing up. That was like the guy that I like. That was like the Kind of the fighter who captured me
2: mm. um,
1: I like Tommy Hearns, I like John Mugabe, uh Lexis uh Jeff Chandler was from Philadelphia um I was really upset when uh, uh the white beat Matthew Sa Mohammed who was also from Philadelphia right um, you know um you know and as time progressed, you know the 84 Olympic team came around. I was a big, uh, Taylor fan. Holy was my favorite fighter from the team. I like Pernell Whitaker. Um, you know, I like Manny Pacquiao. Um, I like a lot of guys, you know, um, I don't really have like a set style or things like that. You know, like it's just certain things about certain fighters that I kind of like a up on. And I'll like, you know, I'll start liking them.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, listen, Philly's also had a history of great trainers. You know, you had, you know, Quinzel McCall and Yancey Durham, Jimmy Arthur, Sam Solomon, uh, Georgie Benton. Um, is Fred Jenkins still around? Is he still training fighters?
1: Um, I believe so. Okay. I believe so. Jimmy Arthur, actually, um, one of the guys he trains, he, um, he uh he's uh, my co-trainer with Julian Williams
3: ah okay okay
1: yeah, yeah so yeah he always talks about them um he always talks about like some of the things that he taught him and some of his um his beliefs and things like that and uh you know from everything that I hear he was a really really good trainer
0: no doubt who who were your uh mentors as far as uh trainers go and 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 coming up with uh your own philosophy on training fighters
1: um that's an interesting point you know me um, and Philadelphia, you know, honestly, I don't have a lot of mentors. The trainers in Philadelphia aren't too friendly. You know, they don't really, um, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of, uh, crabs in the barrel and backstabbing,
2: mm.
1: you know, in Philadelphia to, uh, to be totally honest. So I wouldn't say, uh, I would say in, in, in the city of Philadelphia, uh, you know, um, I got a pretty good relationship with, um, with Bozy Ennis. He trains his son Boots. Right. Um, uh, I got a pretty good relationship with a trainer by the name of Kevin Carmody. I don't think you've probably ever heard of him, but he's a pretty good trainer. He actually trained me when I was, um, you know, when I when I was younger, when I was boxing. As uh, far as mentors, I don't really, I, 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 maybe uh, Nassim Richardson. You know, um, he flew out to Julian's fight to support us when he fought Charlo. And, um, you know, me and him talk periodically in the gym and we got a really, really good relationship. Um, you know, he's offered me, um, his opinion and some advice on things like that. Uh, he's probably been the most friendliest trainer to me when I first started out. Uh, and, uh, overall I would say maybe Virgil Hunter, Mm. Uh, Virgil Hunter reached out to me maybe seven to eight years ago. And uh, he told me, man, I heard you was a really good trainer, man. And, um, you know, he kind of, like, welcomed me into the trainer fraternity. And uh, to this day, um, you know, we talk. Uh, He'll call me up, see how I'm doing. We'll run different things by each other. He'll ask me what I think. I'll ask him what he thinks. Um, He's probably been my, um, my biggest influence, you know, as far as training fighters is concerned. Um, because in Philadelphia, uh, most of the trainers they, they 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 aren't that friendly, man. They they talk about you and they say negative things and they mm. sit around and question everything you do. It's um you know it's definitely not the city your brotherly love when it comes to training. <laughs> so um, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest, you know. So uh you know, as far as mentors in that capacity, um you know, I would say Nazim Richardson and and uh and um. Uh, Virgil Hunter. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Um, are you working with any amateur fighters?
1: Well, the kid that I just reminded you of, uh, Romeo Cruz, he um he just turned pro. He's three and zero now. But um he's just turning pro. I'm um, so technically no. Uh I had a few amateurs, um couple, of, you know, uh, within the last few years. I had one kid, uh he was actually undefeated and uh he won the golden gloves. And, um, but you know, kids just can't stay in the gym. Mm.
2: You know,
1: that's the issue. You know, you may train, uh, uh, being a trainer is a thankless job. You know, you train the kid. Um, I personally don't charge kids to train them. You know, that's the thing. Now people charge, charge a lot of the young guys to train them. Nobody charged me to train me. So, you know, I don't charge a, a young guy to train them. I know it's hard enough just to get their equipment and get to the gym and, you know, by their you know traveling and things like that. So I don't charge kids to train them, but um, they don't really appreciate that, man. You know, you you I'm 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 a pretty strict trainer when it comes to certain things, and you got to be in the gym every day. You know, especially when you're a young guy because it's your developmental stage, and a lot of those guys they'll come in the gym only when they have a fight, and I'm like. You're not that good to come in the gym only when you have a fight. Who do you think you are, Ray Robinson, bro? (laughs) (laughs) You got to be in the gym every day working on your craft. You know, so if I see a guy, one thing you can't get back, Kurt, is time. If I see a guy wasting my time, I don't care how good he is, then I just won't train him. You know, so it allows me to sort of cut the fat. Once I see a kid is not as dedicated as I am, then I don't need to be bothered with him. But you know i had a uh I had about three or four amateurs and they were they were kind of promising but you know for whatever reason they wouldn't come to the gym with, like they were supposed to so I would just um I would just you know tell them you know let them go on their way and go with other guys because I, I i can't deal with that right right what what gym do you work out of in Philly? Schuler's gym it's in uh west philly like the university city area.
0: Okay, okay. So James Shuler, the 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 former uh would have been an Olympian in nineteen eighty, right? Um You got it, yep. Right. What are the main gyms in Philly these days? I mean besides Shuler's gym, which is That's I mean, another
4: good question, man. Joe just closed down
0: What? Um, Joe Hann's gym just closed down?
1: Are you serious? Wow. From what I heard, you know, I never was like a uh um trained guys out of there, but Joe Hann just closed down. Um there's a few uh let's see uh Bozy has a really good gym uh it's like the old Harrowgate gate gym
3: okay There's okay. a few
1: recreation centers that are um pretty good um but I would say uh right now Schuller's and uh fight firm are pro- Schuler's fight firm and Bosey's are probably the most prevalent gyms as far as pro fighters
0: okay, okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, do, I
0: mean, do you find just with with the gyms? I mean, you're you're competing now with, you know, fitness gyms and 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 I I know just talking to trainers in New York, I mean, it's 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 really hard, you know, to to have a gym where like you say, I mean, if you get young kids in there, they can't, you know, they can't afford to pay huge membership dues. Um I mean, do you find that, that you have to train, like, you know, a bunch of white-collar guys to, to, to keep the gym open? Or is, is that oh, something that uh, Schulers um, does? Or?
1: Well, it's, they do it in there. You know, um, I'm not opposed to it. Like, I had a guy come from New York, Long Island, New York, this weekend. And, um, you know, I told him what my fee is. Obviously, if it's a white-collar guy, he has no um, intent on being a professional fighter. Right. You know, you charge him. Um, but I mostly train my pro fighters, you know, I make money when they fight and I make good money. So I don't have to, you know, I'm not saying I don't have to do that, but, you know, it's just something that I don't that that I don't do on a regular. Now, I will train like a person that just kind of works out for vanity pounds and things like that, you know. Um, but for the most part, I just train, you know, my fighters that are really, really serious about boxing. Uh, I see people. It's like it's like a little fad now, where you get the college kids and you know the girls that want to lose weight and the white collar guys. And again, I'm not opposed to it, but you know, um, I travel a lot with my guys, and um, you know, my my pro fighters and the guys who take boxing series, they come first with me because it's um, you know, you want to create a legacy in the sport. You want to you you're a competitive person. You want to be good at whatever you do. And um, it's their life and their livelihood, so I take it. I take it super serious. So they come first. But uh, you know, I, I'll train like a white collar guy every once in a while, and I'll give them like our pro workout. They like it, and you know, that's that.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's 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 definitely. Uh, I, I remember um, growing up. You know, I think the states. You know, funded a lot of these boxing gyms, um, or the cities did. Mm-hmm. You know, to to get kids off the street and and so on. It seems like mm-hmm. you know that's something that's been cut. So, you know, boxing gyms are, are are dwindling. You know, I mean, Philly obviously has had some amazing gyms, right? I mean, Joe Frazier's was was you know the place in, in Philly for a long time, and and uh, wow, it's mm-hmm. sad that, that that Joe's closing out. It's crazy. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, Joe Hans and Joe
0: Frazier have closed down. Right, right, right. Ah, it's crazy. So, I mean, yep, so. with the with the local Philly boxing scene, um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, when, when people think of it, they usually think of Russell Peltz, because <laughs> he's been kind of the dominant yep. uh, local promoter. Who, who are the main uh, promoters in, in Philly now, and, and what does the local boxing scene look like?
1: Well, Russell Pells is still doing shows. Um, there's a promotional company called Hard Hitting. They do really, really good shows. Um, Marshall Kaufman, he does good shows. And uh I just saw an email somewhere, a girl named Michelle Rosado. Raging Babe. They call it a raging Babe. <laughs> yeah, she's doing the um she's supposed to be doing the show here. So uh Philly has about three or four um promoters that are consistent. You know, hard hitting with Manny Rivera. He's pretty consistent. He does a good number of shows, and so does um, Marshall Kaufman with Kings. And you know, Russell Peltz does this thing. So, you know, if you got a local fighter, you probably will be bringing him up on one of those three cards.
3: Right,
0: right. Yeah, it seems like you know the the more prominent Philly fighters, you know, don't have Philly promoters, right? I mean, you got uh, Julian and and Jesse yeah,
1: Hart
3: and
0: Brian.
1: Unfortunately, Bryant. man. Yeah, you know, the more of the top guys don't have to be promote. It's it's weird how that works. You know, I, I don't you know, like you just named them, like Jesse Hart went to top rank. Um Brian Dennis is with top rank now. Uh, I think he was he was with the local he was with Russell Peltz early in his career though. Right. Right. Um, right. you know, Julian went with um Al Heyman. Danny Garcia went with Golden Boy and Al Heyman. Kevin Farmer went with Ludabella right um uh I don't know, man, I just think that that's just how the cookie crumbles, you know, uh that's just how it is, man I can't really you know I don't really have a reason why you know sometimes I guess you gotta you know um you gotta have uh the access to the t to the TV networks which brings in the big money, so that's probably why you know um that that the that the blue chip talent they go with the bigger, more national promoters.
0: Right, right. That's They've got the TV dates and, you know, TV funds pretty much every sport, right? I mean, you know, the NFL wouldn't be the yeah, NFL. I mean, at the end of the
1: day, <laughs> if you're a blue-chip um, kid, you want not get paid, you know? Right. Nobody wants to get punched in the head for free. <laughs> so that's kind of what the dilemma is, you know, as far as who you sign with. Um, but I'm a big... Um, you know, I'm all for the local scene, and bringing up guys from grassroots and things like that. I'm definitely not against it. You know, just, you know, when you turn pro, you just have to be real with yourself. Some guys can sign with big promoters and some guys can't. You know, it just depends on where you're at in your career and what you can do, um, you know, basically. Uh, but um, I, uh, I just like when I see a guy that can come back and fight in Philly. You know, I think that that's important that you, even if you don't sign with the Philly promoters, you know, I think that they should be able to work with the Philly promoters, like the big promoters that you are with, if they want to bring you back and showcase you in the city, I think that's really important.
3: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. there's. I mean, there's a couple of young guys too, right? Isn't Joseph Adorno. Is he, is he from Philly or around Philly? There's a, there's
1: a couple- I think he's from like Allentown or Bethlehem. I think he's with top rank, but he's really good. He's good. Um, Christian Cardo is really good. Right. Um, Jerron Innes is like spectacular. I think he's going to be a world champion pretty soon. He's really, really good. Yeah, he's been really, really Um, impressive
0: on Showbox the last couple times out.
1: Yeah, he's really, really good. Um, Hold on a second there. We got a kid named uh, Stephen Fulton.
0: Yeah, Stephen, who's who's fighting tough guys. I mean, he doesn't take cupcakes, right? He's been fighting
1: man, he's, undefeated he, he's, guys. Man, he's in our gym. He trains out of our gym. He's fought like five undefeated guys in a row.
0: Yeah, and he's, um, he's still standing. He's still undefeated. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's a tough kid, man. Under he's the radar. Really tough kid.
0: Really under the radar prospect, yeah.
1: but that's a guy who's He shouldn't be earned. under the radar. If you fight five undefeated guys in a row, you shouldn't be under the radar, but... You know, that's another story, but he's, um, he's good. I like Scooter. You know, there's some blue chip kids coming out of Philadelphia, man, that, um, that I think are going to be in the top 10 within the next 18 months and challenging for world championships.
0: Mm. So you're not working with, uh, Omar Douglas anymore or, uh,
1: I advise Omar. Yep. Well, you said Philly. Omar's out of Wilmington, Delaware.
0: Oh, right,
3: right, 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 right. Philly
0: area, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep.
1: Not yep. Philly Omar proper. Should, Omar should be getting a big fight um, within the next uh, two or three months.
0: Yeah, he had, he had a, a tough, a couple of uh, close losses, and uh, but he seems to rebounded with a, a couple wins. He
1: got, Omar got 100% robbed against Etna Cherry, man. That was bad. Mm. Uh, that still that still bothers me to this day. He won that fight going away, man. I can't believe they get. I I I. I'm telling you, I I really believe that they mixed the scorecards up in the mm. fight mm. because Omar was supposed to come out in a different corner, and I think that they mixed it up. I mean, Omar won that fight easy.
3: Right. Right. He uh.
1: really did. I really believe that because you know how like. It's supposed to be in the red corner. Something happened in the locker room. We were supposed to we really wound up switching corners. And um Cherry came out last and Omar wound up coming out first and it was supposed to be the other way around. And I really, really believe that they um that they mixed up the scorecards and you know, it's like that's kinda like the mistake that nobody wants to admit that they made. Mm. Because that was a that was a really, really like I didn't even think the fight was that close. Mm. Where it was like, seriously,
4: I was just like the first thing I said was, Did you guys mix the scorecards up? <laughs>
3: I'm
1: telling you, that's the first thing I said. I was like, They mixed the scorecards up.
3: Right, right, right. Uh, that's brutal.
0: I know how that is. I know how that yeah, is that when you're just like
1: lost, man.
0: Yeah.
3: Like you it's it's you
0: know, it's there's nothing worse than getting job on a fight. You're just like, you know, how in the world did they uh you know, see it the other way? But uh, judging is a is a, is a whole other issue. But uh, speaking of issues in the sport, I, I definitely wanted to get to something. I, I saw that you had tweeted out. I know you've spoken uh, about this before. Um, you know, you've been pretty outspoken about the, the number of fighters that you believe are on, uh, on PEDs, and and you said something about at least in your in your opinion, you think that um, you know seventy five percent of of the fighters in the sport, or the I'd say the top fighters in the sport are, uh, are mm. on the juice so what 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 uh what makes you believe that that higher percentage of, of fighters is uh, is juicing
1: well just there's a lot of things um uh, things that I notice um, things it's not always what you say it's what you don't say um, you um the percentage of guys who Vada test, like they're always catching somebody. Um, I always look at when a fighter gets caught. For example, you know, what I believe is that a boxing camp is usually approximately eight weeks. So every time Vada tests the guy about four or five weeks before camp is supposed to officially start, those guys are turning up dirty. So you got to ask yourself, why does that keep happening? Well, it keeps happening because what they do is they go in the cycle right before the camp officially starts. So when they come in camp, they could be really, really strong and really, you know, their body's ready to go. And then they'll test clean during camp. So what is doing, they're testing guys early. And then when they test them early, they catch them. Mm. For example, Canelo. Right. Canelo was supposed to fight Triple G in May. You know, so you say eight-week camp, you figure it starts in March. Well, what they did was they went to him in February, and what happens, he tests positive twice. That's not a coincidence. Um, You got fighters who, if you're losing 30, 35 pounds to make weight and you're still strong on the night of the fight, that is a sign that you're using PEDs because it's difficult to lose that much weight and still be strong and sharp on the night of the fight. You know what I mean? It's just you're depleting yourself. So oftentimes you need something extra to get through it. You also got to look at um, fighters who can ask for testing, but don't ask for testing. Mm. That's something, you know, people kind of overlook that. You know, if you have a fighter, everybody knows who's the A side and who's the B side in the fight. So if you have a fighter that has the ability to ask his opponent to test, but they never do. You got to wonder and say, why, why won't he ask for testing? Why Why are you trusting the man so much that's coming to knock your head off? You know, we're not going to work on the honor system. You know, that's like freaking the police department, allowing you to run a red light and say, you know what, we're not going to have cameras out here. If you run a red light, we want you to come to the district and hand us a money order for 50 bucks. It doesn't work that way. You don't work on a honor <laughs> system in sports. Right. And the whole thing to me is just, it's just, it's just set up so the fighters can be, can, um, so an enhanced product can be put out. Because mm. if you think about it, just think about this. And what other sport do the participants
4: dictate the terms of the testing? Just think about that. If
1: you think about that, you know how ridiculous it is. The participants tell each other when the testing will start, when it will stop, and then
4: oftentimes they cherry pick it. Certain guys will test for certain opponents, and then
1: other opponents they don't test. And the media, which is, in my opinion, corrupt, they won't even ask about it. Have you ever seen anything? A guy will fail the test, and
4: uh, somebody from the media will get in front of him, and they won't even ask him about it.
2: Mm. Mm.
4: I mean, and not even in a disrespectful term, but like you don't think that's a valid question if you're if you if you're if you're talking to somebody who's had a discrepancy on a drug test, and you don't even ask them about it, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I think so, I mean, I it, mean it's just, it goes to the structure and, and the of the punishment,
1: sport. The punishment is so lax, it's ridiculous. You know, top fighters fight every six months. So if you suspend a guy for six months for failing the drug test, that's nothing. They only fight every
4: six months anyway.
3: Right. Right. Right.
4: You know, I mean just think
1: about it. Like like I'm not that smart, Kurt. If I if I see these things, you can't tell me these guys are in the media with six and seven degrees hanging on their walls, they don't see him. Right. Come on. Right. It, how do you suspend a guy
4: for six months when he fights twice a year anyway?
0: Yeah, it's, you know, I, I mean, uh, it really speaks to the lack of structure of the sport, and that's something, I mean, I've, I've written about yeah. quite a bit. I mean, um, we, we definitely need, like, some sort of association or league. Um, it's to...
1: laughable how bad it is.
0: yeah. Yeah, because the sanctioning it's really bodies aren't, aren't getting it done because there, there's too many of them. And I mean, the WBC has the clean boxing program, but I mean, I mean it's and, and I know they've put a lot of money into it. At least they've said they put a lot of money into it. But, you know, you're talking about. The clean
1: about, boxing program is good. It's a step in the right direction, but they need more help.
0: Right, right. I mean, you, you they're know, trying to they, test.
1: they need more help. Like, they don't test you often enough because it's just too many fighters. The clean boxing program is free. Right. So the funding that they're getting is just not enough. Right. You know, VADA is good, but, but there's not a lot of guys who do paid VADA like a Deontay Wilder or a, um, or, um, Triple G, you know, and the clean Preston program. Again, it's good, but they just don't get a chance to test. For example, Julian has been part of the clean testing program, for almost two years now, they've tested them three times. It's mm. not their fault, right? You know, but they just don't get a chance to test you enough. Sometimes you'll see a guy say, "Well, I'm in the clean testing program." That doesn't mean you're clean because everybody knows they don't test you that often. Right. You're just in a random testing pool where you can be tested, but that doesn't mean you will be. There's guys who've been in the clean testing program for years and never have been tested. Right. So right. that's kind of a, you know, a misdirection that fighters will use and they say, well, I'm in the clean testing program. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Because, but the media needs to research. When you research it, you'll say, you're in the clean testing program. How many times have they tested you? That's right. the question that, that should be asked. But nobody, I, I just, I've never seen anything like it. They, they're, they're scared to ask the question. Right. How right. many times have you been tested? Not just if you're in the clean testing program but when and how many times have you been tested in this program is the is the is the proper question but you know it is what it is man
0: yeah it's it, you're you're exactly right i mean it's it's a question of money and it's a question of leverage i mean I, I know as a as a manager of fighters i've i've tried to negotiate um when i can to to put you know vada testing uh into the bout agreements when we're negotiating them, but there's a lot of resistance, <laughs> you know, and it's not, you know, not necessarily and, 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 from the and, and fighters. It's from promoters or, or other managers, you know, don't,
4: I'm telling you because Vada Rowan shows.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah.
4: Look what just happened with Millie Monroe. Right. They're right. ruining the show because they'll catch a
1: cheater. Right. And the promoters, I don't necessarily think the promoters, care one way or the other they just don't want their money wasted
4: right
3: right
1: so you're going to lose money dealing with vada
4: because the fighters who are who are cheating
1: they get, they'll get caught dealing with vada look how many shows vada has stopped
3: yeah i absolutely. can think
1: of about seven off the top of my head that they have stopped that were big shows yeah let's yeah. see while they're
0: Right.
1: Waldo oh. Ortiz.
0: Oh, Canelo GGG this year, you know, got put off for four Canelo months. Canelo
1: GGG. Yeah. You know, let's remember a couple of years ago, Birdo versus Ortiz. Right, right. Um, Peterson Khan rematch. Peterson.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, like they, 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 they'll stop a show. So when you're buying commercials and putting up plaques and flyers and doing all these different things that are promoting the fight and then – when you promote the fight, the one of the participants test dirty, you, you, you lose a lot of money. I think that's a big issue of all, I think that's why the promoters, because the promoters know that a lot of the fighters are cheating and they just don't want to be responsible for buying, um, you know, investing in the promotion and then having to put another face and another name on the, um, on the, on the flyers. I mean, look at, uh, Willie Monroe just got
3: caught. Right, right, right. Although, quite
0: you know, honestly, Vada, Vada consist- it might be a better fight now. with Korobov. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: Vada consistently catches cheaters.
0: Right. Did you see the they the consistently Thomas been- the Thomas Hauser article talking about you know Vada versus uh, Usada? And uh, yes, yeah, like you know the the percentage that that have been caught. Um, you know, it's it's pretty striking. It's pretty striking. I forget the the percentage. Diagonal, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Vada catches a, a a fair percentage. You know, I forget if it was double figures or not. But it's you know, it's a pretty fair
1: percentage. Nobody wants to test Vada, right? Right. Because
0: they're
1: scared
3: of that. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, I think if
0: if you know if that's that's definitely one reform that, that, that the sport you know, has, has not really made a ton of progress on and, and, and it's so important, you know, it's so important Mm -hmm. for the safety of the fighters. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's something, you know, it's funny too, because I I looked at the UFC and I, and I thought, wow, you know, I mean, they, they built that whole program, you know, and with you, with USADA and, and, and and it seemed like, wow, you know, they, they've really been proactive and and there definitely have been guys who've been caught like it seems like USADA is, is much more um you know regimented um in the UFC than they are in boxing right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but boxing you know could could definitely use just just and I, I think i mean the problem too is that margaret goodman doesn't she wants she's all about testing but she doesn't want to like adjudicate these these things it's like you know I'll I'll do the test, but, you know, someone else can figure out what the punishment should be and and, and this and that. So, um, I think that's something that would definitely have to be worked out as well. Um, and I Mm -hmm. guess right now it's just getting worked out by the, by the local commissions, you know, um, which is, which
1: is another. I agree with you totally, man. The, the, The punishment has to have teeth. Right. A guy has to get banned for life. Somebody has to get locked up for entering the ring like that. Something has to happen where the, the right now, the punishment right now, it's almost worth it. guy'll say, man, I can cheat and then go out and get a $360 million contract. Hell yeah, I'm going to cheat. Right, right. I mean, right. that's, you know, that's, that's, that's where we're at with it right now.
0: You're not buying the the tainted, tainted meat uh, explanation?
3: No. <laughs>
0: nope. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, with with Canelo, I, I'm I'm a little ambivalent because I, you know, there have been a ton of guys who have tested, you know, uh, in Mexico in many different sports uh, with the, uh, you know, for, for that same thing, and I can't imagine that 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 they're all using that. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's it, well.
1: First it, off, first off, I'll say this. Canelo's a hell of a fighter. So he's already a talented guy. So sometimes somebody will come back and say, well, he beat Triple G without using. Nobody's saying that he has to use. You know, I've seen guys in street fights pick up something and use it. Not because they had to, it's because they wanted to ensure victory.
3: Right. You right. understand what I'm saying? Right.
1: So a lot of times you have guys who cheat. It's not, they don't cheat because they have to cheat. They cheat because they want to cheat. They don't want to take the chance of, of freaking,
4: of losing. So they're willing to do it. If, if it's more, it's more a character thing. Um, I don't believe for one bit the need excuse. Hmm. Because if I was cheating,
1: if I was doing anything wrong at that level, what I would do is I would have a built-in excuse
4: and what better built-in
1: excuse to have
4: would be, is just, would would be saying, uh, what better
1: built-in excuse to have is to say the meat in the area that I live in, the meat in the area that I live in is contaminated and I use that
4: same exact banned substance in me. If I was in Mexico, that's exactly what I would say and do, right? Mm That's what you that's what you say. I'll use this stuff and if I ever get caught, I can always say it's in the meat. I will have a built-in excuse. Like Billy Joe Sanders had a built-in excuse. I'll say I use some stuff that's from a nasal spray. Well, who has ever who has ever got caught cheating and said, you know what, man? I just needed an edge.
3: Right, <laughs> right, right. I just right.
4: decided <laughs> Who has ever did that? You're telling me that 100% of these guys didn't know what they were taking? Right. Come on. Right,
1: right. I
4: guarantee you, I guarantee you, and I'm not saying that it can't happen where somebody is,
1: you know, ignorant to what they're taking.
4: I'm not saying that. But every single fighter comes up with the same exact excuse. I didn't know. Right. Are you telling me that nobody knew what they were taking? Come on. Just think about that. Okay, if it was 5% of
1: the guys who said they didn't know, I got it. I remember when Roy Jones took the rip fuel back in the day. He got it from G. That was over-the-counter medicine. Okay, I can see that.
4: But you're telling me that every single person who gets caught these days don't know it? That's absurd. That's absurd. Right. And that's absurd that some guys in the media say, well, maybe, well, criminals and liars, they're, 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 they're going to lie. People going to go to court and, and say, I did it. <laughs> they say, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I'm sorry. You know, that's just the way the, the
1: world works. Right, right, it's right. It's just, I don't know, man. I, when, when I hear the excuse, I'm like, and he showed the receipt at the restaurant.
4: Anybody can show a receipt at the restaurant. You know you know what would prove that he didn't do it? Is if he showed the receipt at the restaurant and the people who ate with him, they all tested positive.
3: Right, right, That's right. That's the
4: only way. Kirk, so what? He showed the receipt at the restaurant. Right. You, you eat every day, don't you?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
4: it,
0: it's, it's, it's tough, though, just to play a devil's advocate because, I mean, it, you know, then basically he's going to have to trace it all the way back to the farm and where the meat came from. I mean, it's, yeah, a, he- but, it's but a heavy burden. but the burden
4: thing is, is that there are guys in the media that say, well, he showed his receipt at the restaurant. So what? Right. So what? Right. What the hell does that mean? The last time I checked, we're human beings. We eat every day.
3: <laughs> right. Right. We right. eat
4: every day. So you showed the receipt at a restaurant that proves nothing. That just proves that you that you eat. Right. You eat that, food.
0: That he ate meat. <laughs>
4: the only way you can prove innocence in that is if the people who were eating with you in your camp and in your party, if they all tested positive for quinbutol. That's it.
3: Right, right, right. Or yeah.
4: somehow we went back to that restaurant and found Combuterol in the state. But showing the receipt means nothing. I could show you a million receipts of, of a million different things. That doesn't mean anything. Right. When right. I heard that excuse and I heard some guys in the media buying it, I'm like, damn, man. I guess <laughs> your wife could tell you she was going in the hotel with her with her boss on a lunch break and you believed they were talking work. Right? Right. <laughs> you buy that. Come on.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, it's 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 uh, you know, it's especially with 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 that particular case. Yeah, it's, you know, it, you know, um, it would have been it's kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't because it's like either, either if either side had to prove definitively, you know, that you know, if the if if you don't have um, you know the strict liability, and and the commission has to prove that that he knew it or or you know that he was lying. I mean, it's, thing, it's a tough here, case.
1: Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Vada is not the police department.
4: They're simply testing your blood and urine. Either you have banned sus- substances in your urine, or you don't. You're either clean or you're dirty. Right. They
1: don't have to prove like, did you do it by mistake? Or did they just have to prove it's in your system? Right. Everybody's going to say it was
4: a mistake, but right. they didn't. A, a urine test doesn't prove um, intent. It just proves simply black
1: and white. Does this guy have PDs in the system or doesn't he have Peds in the system? So, again, when people say, well, Vada
4: didn't prove that he took it intentionally, you're peeing in the cup and giving blood. They're not following you around with a private eye and seeing what you're doing. So, of course, they can't prove if you did it intentionally or not. Just think about that. All you're doing is peeing in the cup. They don't know if you ate steak, if you shot it up, if your strength coach gave it to you, if your girlfriend gave it to you. They don't know that. All they're doing is testing your blood and your urine. They're not following you around. They're not building the case with you and presenting it to the judge or the district attorney's office.
3: Right, right.
0: No, that, I mean, and and that's why they have strict liability in in, in the WADA code, and and most of the the states have adopted it because it's you know if if you had to put the burden of proof on the commissions or what have you, it's 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 a really tough <laughs> it's a really it's tough case to make, yeah.
1: It's yeah. impossible. Right. So when I hear that, that's another thing that I hear, and I just say, Man, nah, maybe I got too much common sense. Hmm. Maybe I got a little bit too much common sense because to prove intent on a freaking urine test or a blood test is absolutely impossible.
4: Right, right, right. Yeah. It's Nobody very can prove that, Kurt. Think about it. You're a smart guy. Nobody can prove that. All they can prove is this guy has it in the system, or this guy doesn't.
0: Right. That's it. Right. 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 So the burden of proof is on the fighter. Listen, I want to get to a couple yes. more things. I want to get to a couple more things that I know you want to watch the Eagles game. So, <laughs>
1: um, no, I'm, I'm I'm watching it as we talk. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's. I would say boxing without question is on an is on an upswing right now. I mean, you've got a ton of money coming into the sport from, from any number of networks now. Um, it's great for the fighters and, and managers. Um, you know, but, but for me it's like, you know, no one, maybe not even the, the PBC, has enough fighters to just stay in house. So, you know, the big question is how do the big fights get made, uh, between, you know, rival networks, uh, and promoters. And, uh, and um, you know what? 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 You know, what do the people? In, what can the people in boxing do to facilitate that uh, happening? What, what, what's your opinion on
1: that? I think that the fighters have to demand it. Right. Period. I think that when you have a fight, the big fights, on the A list guys with leverage, you can simply tell your promoter, listen, if you don't make fight or put forth a serious good faith effort to make fights, then I'm leaving. Right. They're not going to lose their investment. Whenever I see fights not get me, I always say to myself, that fighter really don't want to fight. I can tell when a guy wants to fight because certain guys have leverage to make fights and certain guys don't. I can tell when the guy doesn't want to fight. But you tell your promoter or your handler, I need this fight to be me. Period. And they'll make the fight, or, or 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 they risk you leaving.
3: Right, right, yeah, I
0: completely so agree with that.
1: About being, it, 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 don't get me wrong, the intermediate guys. There's certain level of guys who can't make a fight. I get that, I understand. But the A list guys, they can fight whoever they want. If a fight doesn't get made with those kind of guys, it's because they don't want it. Period. When you got a guy like Anthony Joshua, a guy like Canelo, guys like Manny Pacquiao, when you're that level of guy, you can fight who you want to fight if you want to fight. Right, right,
3: right. No, I completely...
0: You know
1: what I mean? So you just got to just make demands. Like, people complain when Terrence Crawford re with top rank. He can sign with top rank. He just has to tell them, listen, most of the welterweights are with PBC. You guys got to make these fights.
0: Right, right, right. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, both both fighters gotta want it, you know. When both fighters want it, you know, they're gonna push to get it especially made.
1: Especially the A side, right? Especially the A side, uh, Kurt. That's the most important thing, the A side, because the A side is the most leverage, and they bring the most money to the table. So, right. especially the guy calling the shots, right? Like, right. like if, like, Oscar De La Hoya was an A side fighter, he was the star of all stars. If 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 a fight wasn't made with Oscar, it's because he had something else to do. Right. Ray Leonard is a guy he can make any fights he want to make. If a fight's not made with him it's because he had something else to do. If a fight wasn't made with Mike Tyson, it's because he had something else to do. If a fight wasn't made with Floyd Mayweather, he had something else to do. Those guys those guys have too much influence. They can fight who they want to fight.
0: Right, yeah, I think I think that's it. I mean, the the like you said, the the A sides, or I mean, listen, with Spence and Crawford, you have two A sides. So, <laughs> but Spence they both
1: and Crawford are about even. Yeah, I think the issue with them is nobody wants to fight Spence in the PBC. Right. So I think it's a thing where if they're not going to risk Spence against Crawford, if he can't even get fights. Of the PBC fighters just yet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean I think that that's the issue. Because if you look at Spence as good as he can fight, his resume's thing. He hasn't been getting the fights that he deserves of somebody of his level. So it's like, man, why are we gonna risk him with Crawford in the fifty fifty fight? Spence hasn't fought Sean Porter yet. He hasn't fought Damian Garcia, he hasn't fought Keith Thurman. You know what I mean? He hasn't even the best guys in his own stable, which kind of it's, it, it's a shame, but people won't fight the kid. So I think that that's the issue with that.
0: Yeah, he's kind of like too good, and but not like a top dollar good just yet. Yeah, he does need his profile. You know, I think for these guys to get in with him is is needed to be raised. But now he's got the title. um He's gonna be fighting Mikey, so uh his profile will be raised, and I think you know. Uh, mm-hmm. hopefully all that stuff will get worked out in the next couple of years where he fights, you know, it seems like more than likely he's gonna get all the guys on the PPC side and then uh and then they'll try and make Crawford maybe in, in twenty twenty. We'll
1: see. I don't think guys are gonna get in the ring with him.
0: Hmm. So you don't think don't. uh uh Porter or Thurman or uh Danny Garcia gonna I think
1: those guys are more interested in fighting each other than they are interested in fighting him. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, when you're only fighting twice a year, just think about it. You know what I mean? You 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 take off or you miss a fight or you take two tough fights that you're gonna want to showcase fight. I don't think like they all wanna fight each other, but none of them wanna fight him. It, it seems like to me. Right. So, you know, I don't think he's gonna get the fights. I mm. think that the only way you'll get those fights is the Mikey Garcia win some rounds and does some damage to him then i think he'll get the fight but other than that i don't see him getting those fights
0: well let's hope he gets those fights because uh those that's definitely what the fans want to see they want to see spence in there with the top guys you know um Mm -hmm. so uh hopefully these guys uh will uh man up (laughs) one last got one last we'll see we'll see uh Got one last one for you. Um, I'm a massive, massive fan of the uh, World Boxing Super Series. Speaking of the best fighting, the best, and uh, and I saw Julian tweeted. He's like, man, you know, let's do a tournament at uh, at 154. Uh, what do you think of the World Boxing Super Series? And would you like to see the PBC and and Fox or Showtime participate or, or organize their own kind of tournament?
1: Oh, I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think when you have got fighters that that win those kind of series. Yeah. They become like um, um, superstars, right? Like stars, pound for pound kind of guys and stars yeah. because there's no favorable matchmaking. You kind of gotta like beat who's in the tournament, you know? Right. So um, you see Usyk come out of it. Calvin Smith came out of it. Um, the winner of the Banaway tournament is gonna be awesome. And then um. You know, Andre Ward, you know, a few years ago was in a Super sick. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I love it. I love the fact that Usyk won it. Um, I was hoping uh, Gassiev won it. Uh, I met Gassiev out in Triple G's campaign. He's a nice kid. But uh, Usyk deserved it. You know, he was uh, excellent. He did excellent in the tournament. And uh, I love those kind of tournaments because, you, like I said, you know, there's real no real matchmaking. You got to be. Uh, elite level fighter to win a tournament like that because everybody is um, kind of spoiled by the matchmaking where they can kind of cherry pick and pick certain guys, but in a tournament like that, you got to fight. You just got to just go in there and you got to fight the best available guy in front of you. So it's a little different.
0: Yeah, it was something I actually a couple months ago I wrote an article like you know you know you know just kind of on on what should be in boxing and what what's smart you know what what would make money and it just seems to me that all these guys are leaving money on the table, not working with the promoters i 'm talking about, not working with each other and and not kind of forming something i mean you know mainstream press doesn 't cover boxing because it 's a fucking mess right um you know if you had if you had these tournaments let's say you did you know five or six of them a year five you know, five divisions a year you know people, you know the fans would know okay you know we're getting the tournament this year we can follow you know these eight fighters and if you took independent ratings and 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 took the A fighters from there you know you're getting the best and uh you know if you did that it would be like every other sport you could follow it you know you you know every other sport uh-huh. has the playoffs right you know you've got the quarterfinals the semis the the finals you know it's not rocket science <laughs> you know but uh-huh. but boxing uh-huh. just just won't do it you know and and it's there's only a handful of major promoters i mean it wouldn't take a, a whole lot of work to get it done but Especially with all the money in the sport right now. I mean, it just seems mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, it, it's very doable. These guys aren't going to price themselves out. So for maybe one or two divisions, you know, you might have a, a little challenge. But, uh, yeah, man, to me, that's it, that should be the way of the future. Um, and, uh, you know, I would love to see. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I interviewed uh, Steven Espinoza, just flat out said to him, why don't you do tournaments, <laughs> you know? because <laughs> the willy-nilly way that fights get made now, it just sucks, you know? I mean, you don't know when these yes. fights are coming.
1: I mean, they're, they do informal tournaments, but I know what you mean. You, a formal tournament kind of, like, puts you in a position of obligation where the informal tournament's like, well, we're going to try to make this fight and we're going to try to make that fight a little bit different. But I understand exactly what you're saying.
3: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I I hope that people start, you know, the powers that be start thinking in that direction, because I think they're leaving money on the table. You've got all these other major sports. You know, they figured it out. You put the best in there with the best. You organize it. And TV, you know, spends a, a shit ton of money on you. The fans, you know, will follow you more. You get more coverage in the mainstream press. It all goes hand in hand. I mean, I think by not doing mm-hmm. it and remaining, you know, fragmented boxing is just continually shooting itself in the foot. So but uh, I'll come off the soapbox now. But uh, hey, man, <laughs> I, I really appreciate your time um, on on a Sunday and uh, best of luck in the future. And thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Yep. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. All right, Brad. Take care. All right. Care. Bye.
0: And that will do it for another edition of the Boxing Esquire Podcast. really like to thank uh, Breadman for taking the time to speak with me on a Sunday, uh, especially uh, as the Eagles game was starting. <laughs> um, you can find uh, more of uh, Stephen's work and in, in, in his opinions on the, in his Daily Bread uh, mailbag on Boxing Scene. Um, he's also on Twitter at uh, Breadman Boxing. And I believe he's also on Facebook uh, under his name, Stephen uh, Breadman Edwards. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation if you like the podcast please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, SoundCloud or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire podcast I'd really appreciate it as it helps uh, new listeners find the podcast so uh, until next time so long everybody